0: Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News, Russia-Ukraine war podcast. The show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is Monday, June 5th, 2023. It's been 3,386 days since Russia occupied Crimea on February 27, 2014, and 467 days since the large-scale invasion of Ukraine began. Today's podcast looks at what happened yesterday in the Russia-Ukraine war. The Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from direct contacts in Ukraine and their proxies, This podcast contains frank descriptions of war and its effects, and may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Let's start with our assessment of the current status of the war. First, in preparation for larger offensive operations, Ukrainian forces continue shaping operations on multiple axes, creating panic and uncertainty among Gauleiters, Russian administrators and military leaders. Creating an environment where all Ukrainian military activity is considered the start of the counteroffensive, no matter how small. Second, we assess that the continued incursions into the Bilgorod region along the 275 kilometer stretch of the Russia-Ukraine border, meant to force the Russian Ministry of Defense or MOD to move military assets out of Ukraine to secure the region, has been more successful than Russian partisans anticipated. With Kremlin-aligned military commanders, unable to organize a cohesive response. Third, anger and frustration among Russian state media, propagandists, mill bloggers, and residents of the oblasts that border Ukraine continues to expand, with open discussions on Russian state media and social media about replacing Russian President Vladimir Putin, questioning Russian nuclear doctrine and the repeated irresponsible threats and widespread criticism of Moscow's inability to secure Russian borders and airspace. Fourth, soil conditions and tractability are now favorable for large-scale military operations. Fifth, we've identified shaping activity by the Ukrainian armed forces in four locations that could indicate a larger attack is being prepared. Sixth, we maintain that Russian forces have surrendered the initiative theater-wide with the only significant combat operations continuing in the Marinka operational area. Seventh, political infighting between the Russian MOD, Chechen leaders, and Private Military Company, or PMC, Wagner Group has reached a breaking point, with Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin claiming his mercenaries fought with Russian troops of the 72nd Brigade 2nd Army Corps, and Wagnerites have detained the commander. Eighth, we maintain that Russian Chief of Staff Valery Gerasimov and Defense Minister Sergei Shoigu are some of the best allies available for the Ukrainian MOD due to their acceptance of systemic corruption, political infighting, waste of military resources, and straight-up refusal to adapt to the realities within the theater of war. Ninth. We assess that the Russian MOD is descending into chaos and is increasingly incapable of managing the battlefield above the battalion level, creating problems with mission cohesion between penal units, MOBICs, conscripts, elite forces, PMCs, proxy forces, and controlling the information space. And finally, the accelerating breakdown of Russian command and control is ill-timed, to say the least, with Ukrainian shaping operations likely reaching their culmination point by June 20th. Let's get some regional updates, starting with the Russian front. In the Bilgorod operational area, now for the fifth day, Russian partisans with the Free Russian Legion, or FPL, and the Russian Volunteer Corps, or PVK, supported by elements of the Polish Volunteer Corps, or NVK, continued fighting against Putin-regime-aligned Russian forces in Novaya Tavolchanka. Belgorod Regional Governor Vyacheslav Gladkov reported the border settlement was hit by 102 artillery rounds, mortars, and grad rockets fired by multiple launch rocket systems, or MLRS. Russian millblogger Gennady Alekhin reported that a senior Russian officer, commander of one of the battalions fighting Russian partisans, received six shrapnel wounds and had to be evacuated from the battlefield along with wounded members of his unit. Shebekino was heavily shelled hit by over 500 munitions throughout the day. The market area was struck, causing heavy damage, and left a section burning out of control due to the lack of water service in the city. Local officials reported that looters had hit the Shebikinskaya ambulance station and that operators were removing the remaining most valuable and undamaged equipment. The border settlement of Murom was also shelled. NASA fire information for resource management systems, or FIRMS, showed significant thermal anomalies in Novaya-Tovolzhanka and Shabikino along the Russia-Ukraine international border and the forested tracks near the Ukrainian settlements of Ohirceve, Bahruvatka, and Prilipka. Russian propagandist Alexander Slotkov criticized the Kremlin, writing in all caps, quote, The Bilgorod territorial defense is still without weapons. So far, such a force does not exist at all. There are people, commanders, battalions, and regiments, but without weapons, this is not a force but a peaceful demonstration. End quote. Russian partisan leader, neo-Nazi, and white supremacist Denis Nitkin released a video showing two Russian POWs, including one moderately wounded and receiving medical treatment. Nitkin requested a meeting with Governor Gladkov for a, quote, few minutes at the church in Novaya at 1,700 hours local time and promised safe passage and exit as well as handing over the prisoners if he came. Gladkov agreed to the meeting, then declared because of fighting in Novaya he would meet with Russian partisans at the Shebikino border crossing checkpoint, adding he was willing to meet for the sake of the prisoners. Inserting himself into the process, because why wouldn't he? PMC Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin declared, quote, Denis, if no one comes to the designated place for the prisoners, is ready to send one of his high ranking deputies to pick them up. End quote. After Glodkov was a no show in Novaya Tavolzhanka, Nitkin released a second video showing at least 10 Russian POWs. The representative of the RDC said that since Glodkov did not come for the prisoners, they would be transferred to Ukraine and added to the POW exchange fund. Adding quote, Quite predictably, Mr. Gladkov did not come to pick up ordinary Russian soldiers. The holder of the Order of Courage did not have enough courage. The holder of the Order of Courage did not have enough courage. By the way, there are much more prisoners, but neither the military nor the civilian leadership is interested in their fate. Only Yevgeny Prigozhin showed courage and declared his readiness to take part in the negotiations. PMC Wagner Aligned Telegram channel AP Wagner wrote In the Belgorod region, for those who live near the border, I recommend leaving. Everything goes to the fact that the Belgorod region will now become a zone of active hostilities for years. In Bilgorod, a Russian-sourced video showed what they claimed was a fragment of a drone striking in the industrial zone. At the time of recording, Governor Gladkov reported a, quote, energy facility was on fire in the Bilgorod region after being struck by a drone-delivered IED, but that the electrical power grid was not impacted. Southeast of Bilgorod, in Razumnoi, officials reported that cars and homes were damaged by debris from Russian air defense missiles Though no casualties were reported. Chechen Colonel General and aspiring dentist Ramzan Kadyrov declared he was prepared to send Kadyrovites and Chechen Ahmad to Bilgorod, saying, quote, In total, the number of Chechen fighters in battalions and regiments of power and military structures exceeds 70,000 people. That's three armies. All units were trained at the Russian University of Special Forces. Equipped with the latest technology, trained, equipped with trouble-free weapons, and ready to fulfill any order of the supreme commander in order to protect our state and our citizens. Sending fighters from Chechen units to the Bilgorod region would be a good solution. Therefore, we are ready and waiting for the order. End quote. Quick sidebar. It's important to note that the 70,000 figure is the total Chechen force, not Chechen forces deployed to Ukraine. The telegram channel VCHK OGPU claimed that Russian President Vladimir Putin doesn't want to hear any bad news from the front. Subordinates who try to provide forthright assessments are dismissed, being told they are, quote, currently under the influence of Western propaganda, end quote, and that the Russian President, quote, has more reliable information from other sources which does not align, end quote. State Duma deputy Natalia Polyunova from the Bilgorod region visited with Shebikino refugees in temporary assistance centers and delivered three tons of humanitarian aid. Some assessment. The political posturing between the Kremlin, which continues to be in a state of denial, Prigozhin, Kadyrov, and Russian partisan leaders has laid bare the command and control problems that permeate every echelon of the Russian MOD. The FPL, PVK, and NVK represent approximately one understaffed battalion of 500 partisans, almost certainly supported by Ukrainian so-called little green men, operating within Ukrainian territory in tactics reminiscent of Russia's start of its war of aggression against Ukraine in 2014. Despite the size of the partisan groups, with no air force, army aviation, or significant heavy weapons, they've opened up a front along 275 kilometers of the Russian border. At the time of recording, the Russian-language homepage of TASS only had one story about a fire at a Bilgorod energy facility and no other mention of ongoing hostilities, Russian POWs, the offer by Colonel-General Kadyrov, or the exchanges between Prigozhin and Nitkin. The official Kremlin position is becoming untenable after five days of sustained border incursions and heavy shelling, The lack of a cohesive military, civil defense, and information response shows that the Russian Federation Armed Forces and its leaders were unprepared to respond to these incursions. A functioning military would have prepared action plans that would have been updated as the Western military district's forces became weakened. In Kharkiv, in the Dvorichna operational area, Several Russian mill bloggers claimed, without evidence, that Russian forces have established a wet crossing of the Oskil River and occupied the settlement of Novomlinsk. Some assessment here. The terrain on the west bank of the Oskil River at Novomlinsk is extremely unfavorable for a wet crossing and establishing a bridgehead. The eastern approaches are open fields, and to the west of the hamlet is terraced high ground with forested tracks, providing surveillance and firing positions. Ukrainian source Deep State reported continued fighting in the area of Masyutivka, with no change in the situation. In the Svatova operational area, the Russian MOD alleged that Ukrainian Sabotage and Reconnaissance Groups, or DRG, of squad or platoon size were operating in the area of Berestova. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. Our team of journalists, researchers and analysts is funded by readers, listeners and viewers just like you. To support independent journalism, please consider becoming a patron. You can find us on patreon.com at Malkontent News. Moving on to the Donbass region in Luhansk. Operational Command East, or OKE, spokesperson Colonel Serhii Cherevati reported that Russian forces fired 601 artillery rounds, mortars, grad and smirch rockets, drone-delivered IEDs and bombs from Dvorichna to Pilohorivka, the one in Luhansk, and Russian Army Aviation and Air Force, or VKS, carried out 11 airstrikes. During his briefing, Colonel Cherevati reported the operational tempo was low, with six clashes between Russian and Ukrainian forces. On the Luhansk side of the Svatva operational area, Ukrainian and Russian sources reported continued fighting in the area of Novoselivsky with no change in the situation. The Russian MOD alleged Ukrainian DRG units were operating in the area of Rajkorotka. In the Lysychansk operational area, the General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine, or GSAFU, reported that Russian forces supported by the VKS continued attacks on Bilohorivka, still the one in Luhansk, with no change in the situation. In northeast Donetsk in the Siversk operational area, Russian and Ukrainian sources reported fighting in the area of Spirne with no change in the situation. In the Solidar operational area, Russian mercenary mill blogger Gonzo reported that Ukrainian forces were on the offensive and were attempting to advance in the direction of Zaleznanski from the bridgehead they created on the western edge of the M3 highway Russian ground line of communication. Called a G-lock, that is a supply line. In the Bakhmut operational area, Ukrainian Deputy Minister of Defense, Hanna Malyar, maintained that Ukrainian forces hold the Litsak, or airplane, region of southwest Bakhmut, saying, In the city of Bakhmut, the situation is conditionally stable. We control the southwestern outskirts of the city. The Wagnerites have not yet left the city. They carry out instructional work with the regular army units that have arrived. End quote. Quick assessment here. We have maintained since PMC Wagner leader Prigozhin claimed on May 20th that Bakhmut was captured that the Litak district and areas west of Juvelina Street near Khomove were not under Russian control. We had also previously assessed that Prigozhin made the early claim to gain an exit from Bakhmut and the theater of war in Ukraine. We maintain our assessment that Ukrainian forces hold 2.8% of the city. In a carefully orchestrated act of information warfare against the Kremlin, Prigozhin responded to a question from the Russian state media publication Voice of the People if Russian forces had, quote, lost control of part of Bakhmut. He responded, Yes, unfortunately, such information is available that, for some reason, the units that were supposed to be in the gardens, in which we suffered losses every day, but nevertheless this territory was held back, even though it is really difficult to gain a foothold there. Today there is information that observation posts of the armed forces of Ukraine have already been set up there. And if this is the case, then wait for the next steps. End quote. Prigozhin's reference to the gardens is the area west of Yuvelina Street. In the Klishivka operational area, the GSAFU and Wargonzo reported that Russian forces made new attempts to advance in the direction of Ivanivsky from the Klishivka area and were unsuccessful. Fighting was also reported near the donets Donbass Canal, with Russian forces, supported by the VKS, making a failed attempt to advance in the direction of Bilohora. In southwest Donetsk, in the Avdiivka operational area, ukrainian sources Deep State reported localized point attacks by Russian troops south of Kamyanka in the direction of Avdiivka, and in the gray area north of Vodyana. Elements of the 1st Army Corps continued their attempts to advance on Pervomyske without success. In the Medinka operational area, Chechen forces of the Akhmat 54th Motor Rifle Brigade and the Russian 5th Motor Rifle Brigade of the 1st Army Corps supported by the VKS, continued their attacks on Marinka. Chechen forces suffered significant losses, leading 27 separate attacks throughout the day. Russian mercenary millblogger Ribar claimed that Chechen forces lost position south of Marinka. We did not adjust the map because there were no videos or pictures we could geolocate to support the claim. In the Velika Novosilka operational area, a quick note. Our team strictly adheres to the journalist standards of the Society of Professional Journalists. The first pillar is to minimize harm, and we respect requests to maintain operational security, or OPSEC. Beyond journalistic integrity and honoring direct or indirect government requests, breaking OPSEC would destroy trust within our network of trusted sources inside and outside of Ukraine and the subject matter experts we work with. No information contained in the following is outside of the public domain. The Russian MOD claimed that the main thrust of the Ukrainian offensive had started along the Zaporizhia-Donetsk administrative border, saying, On the morning of June 4, the enemy launched a large-scale offensive in five sectors of the front in the South Donetsk direction by introducing into battle the 23rd and 31st mechanized brigades from the strategic reserves of the armed forces of Ukraine with the support of other military units and subunits. In total, six mechanized and two tank battalions of the enemy were involved. The enemy's goal was to break through our defenses on the most vulnerable, in his opinion, sector of the front. The enemy did not achieve his tasks. He had no success. As a result of the skillful and competent actions of the Eastern Group of Forces, the losses of the armed forces of Ukraine amounted to more than 250 personnel 16 tanks, 3 infantry fighting vehicles and 21 armored fighting vehicles. Commander of the Joint Group of Forces, Chief of the General Staff of the Armed Forces of the Russian Federation, General of the Army Valery Gennasimov was at one of the advanced command posts in this direction during this period." End quote. Numerous Russian millbloggers and military commanders dismissed the claim including Ribar, Russian collaborator and occupied Zaporizhia administrator Vladimir Zhagov, our favorite FSB colonel, convicted war criminal, Kremlin pariah, failed mobic, and truly garbage human being Igor Strelkov-Girkin, deputy commander of OMON forces of the so-called Donetsk People's Republic, Lieutenant Colonel Alexander Khodakovsky, and Semyon Pegov of War Gonzo. To support their claim, the Russian MOD released a 34-second video, which didn't align with their report. Assessment here. We agree with the Russian information space that the June 4th attacks represent reconnaissance in force and probes of Russian defenses as part of ongoing shaping operations and are not the start of the main offensive. The broad rejection of the Russian MOD's claim would have been unthinkable a year ago. Despite tight controls within the information space backed by the so-called don't-say-war laws, Moscow is increasingly struggling to control the special military operation narrative. Lieutenant Colonel Khodakovsky reported that Russian troops had mined the Russian G-lock between Novodonetsk and Russian-controlled Oktyabrsk without communicating with their forces to the north. Four Russian explosive ordnance disposal or EOD engineers were killed when they ran over a Russian-placed mine. Based on the available information and ongoing efforts to mine the Gloc to Oktyaberske, we moved the line of conflict east and south of Novodonetsk on the war map. Multiple Russian sources claimed that Nezkuchne had been brought under Ukrainian military control. In our assessment, Russian troops were likely pushed south of the Mokriali River, as geography would have made holding their positions difficult to support. Based on available intelligence, we moved the line of conflict south to the river, but kept Neskuchne in the gray area. Ukrainian forces attempted to advance on Rivnopil and suffered heavy losses in a failed mechanized infantry assault. Analysis of available information showed that ten armored vehicles were lost, including at least one tank, armored personnel carriers, and infantry mobility vehicles. The geolocated video and pictures indicate that our current line of conflict was too far north, resulting in a map change showing a significant Ukrainian territorial gain. This is unrelated to the failed Ukrainian offensive and was made due to the new intelligence. Moving on to Zaporizhia. Russian forces conducted 68 fire missions and three airstrikes on Free Zaporizhia, Targeting 19 settlements along the line of conflict. In the Velika Novosilka operational area, multiple sources reported that Ukrainian forces had liberated Novodarivka with a geolocated video showing Russian and Ukrainian tanks engaged on the eastern edge of the settlement. Based on the intelligence and video, we move the line of conflict east and reduce the gray area. In occupied Zaporizhia, Exiled Melitopol mayor Ivan Fedorov reported an explosion in Yakimivka, south of Melitopol. There was no other information at the time of recording. In the Black Sea, Crimea, Mykolaiv, and Odessa region, Ukrainian Operational Command South, or OKS, recorded 11 vessels of the Black Sea fleet on patrol with one frigate capable of launching eight-caliber cruise missiles. Cable TV networks in occupied Crimea were hacked and repeatedly played the Ukrainian silence video, which hints that the main Ukrainian offensive will start soon. Unable to quickly retake the networks, operators shut down impacted cable TV providers. We'll talk more about the video in the theater-wide segment. In western and central Ukraine... Russian forces conducted 28 fire missions on Free Kherson, firing 176 artillery rounds, mortars, grad and smirch rockets, indirect tank fire, drone-delivered IEDs, and bombs. The city of Kherson was reportedly attacked with thermite munitions, sparking several fires due to dry and windy conditions. On the west bank of the Dnipro, Vesele and Berislav were hit by Fab 500 SEUPMK glide bombs, targeting a grain warehouse and factory. One civilian was wounded. In north and northeast Ukraine, in Sumy, Russian forces attacked the border communities, firing 104 artillery rounds and mortars, targeting nine Romadas. Let's talk about developments theater-wide and outside Ukraine. The Ukrainian Ministry of Defense is running a public campaign requesting total operational silence, further hinting that the larger offensive will soon begin. The well-produced video shows well-equipped Ukrainian soldiers with various weapons in different terrain who simply turn to the camera and raise a single finger to their lips. It ends with two fighter airplanes and shhh. Ukrainian officials also released a statement about upcoming hybrid warfare in the information space, Quote, Warning. Stratcom of the Armed Forces warns the Russian occupying forces are intensifying their informational and psychological operations. Russian telegram channels and social networks are planning to intensify the spread of unreliable information about the combat operations of the Armed Forces of Ukraine. Russian telegram channels and social networks are planning to intensify the spread of unreliable information about the combat operations of the Armed Forces of Ukraine and of their own formations. In order to demoralize Ukrainians and mislead the community, including their own population, Russian propagandists will spread false information about the counteroffensive, its directions, and the losses of the Ukrainian army, even if there is no counterattack. For this, old videos and photos have been prepared, which show damaged vehicles, dead and captured, and also other fake materials. End quote. Quick assessment. Our team agrees with this warning and is already seeing hybrid warfare increase by both combatants, particularly in the Russian information space. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand?